you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The Around the NFL Podcast refuses to sign the franchise tag. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Where's Greg? What's his deal? You know how we've been talking the last few weeks how, God, this would be a great time to get away. It's a little kind of a strangely quiet time. Uh, There's actually some, some things going on in the NFL right now. Um, but Greg uh, followed the path of what we were laying out last week. We should get away. He got away. He's taking some time with the family. Can't really get on him for it. No, I think it's a smart move. We It was a very realistic plan, and someone jumped on it, as they should have. Right. Somebody sprinted toward the door. door. It was Greg leaving the Three Amigos. That's what I call us. Wait, last time I wasn't here, you called yourselves the Three Amigos. <laughs> and then well, Greg I, called it like, the ultimate dad movie or something. Hey, classic Three Amigos talk right here. Yeah. Um, how's everybody's weekend? Good. Totally nondescript. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Is that I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not good either. Nondescript. Um, watched about 12 minutes of the Masters. Did you watch the right 12 minutes? Yes, I did. Yes. That was um, that was a great sports event, and it is, it's going to be uh, tied into – our segment later today, Comeback Kids of the NFL in 2019. I, I would never would classify myself as a golf fan, but uh, the whole Tiger Woods comeback angle, easy to get sucked into the point where when I had to go to Lorenzo's birthday party at the Discovery Cube Los Angeles, it was uh, Jack Jack's friend from school. Lorenzo. Yeah, I was legitimately annoyed and went as far as saying, how can I watch this online? I said on Twitter. And then I found out, hey, there's a master's app. 
So who's the dad at the Discovery Cube watching the last three holes of the Masters? That's a credit to Tiger Woods. You couldn't have been the only dad, right? This is Los Angeles. Uh, a, lot well, of men, I mean, a lot of men here don't aren't traditional men in the <laughs> masculine sense. So I, 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 there, I was the only one even halfway plugged into sports at this event. But a that, minor humble brag, but I mean, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of parents. Um, who you know? Who it's uh, who knows who's you know making the decision in the Lorenzo family right. parental units of the Lorenzo very nice character. parents. Met them I'm sure they're very people. nice. Yeah. That's not the issue. Yeah. But like you don't schedule arbitrary children's um, events during major sporting events and then expect the whether it's the wife or the husband who is a huge fan of said sport to be going to these things in some sort of happy joyous mode. No, it's quite annoying. Absolutely true, Mark. Am I wrong? I feel like you're just you're just sort of I think, saying that you agree. Honestly, you know what I think it is? Once you get to a certain age and you have kids that are going to birthday parties, you're in the twilight zone and there's just... I mean, I'm in that suck. range. Yeah, you, you, there's wildly, nothing to do it. You can't get mad about it. As long as you're not doing it like there's a kid in Jack's class that's having his birthday party on Easter Sunday. It's like, what are we, what are we doing? You're expecting us to go to your child's party. We don't want... See, that I like because that's a power move. <laughs> yeah. Against who? Jesus? <laughs> well, that's a huge power move if that's what he's he or she said parent is doing. Let's save it for the theology podcast. So, yes, we're going to get into uh, players, figures uh, in the NFL who we predict or could see a comeback in 2019. Um, but first, let's get to. Oh, how are you, Ricky? Doing well. Yeah. Yeah. How was your weekend? Did you watch the Masters? I didn't. No. No, I really. We're not yeah. going to hold that against. Did you yeah. watch Game of Thrones? Of course I did. Oh my god, it was so exciting. It feels uh, as a guy. I'm a pop pop culture guy. Not being connected to Game of Thrones, you're out. I, I I was out three years ago. What? And it, it feels. Um, I really do have FOMO for real. You should. You should catch yeah, up totally. because this is the last season. We waited two years. Like this is so cool. Yeah, like, but you know what? Up. The reason I stopped watching is because it was a bunch of garbage. I'm with you. No, but it comes back. If you stopped watching when I think you stopped watching, like just chill. Okay. Like, just just chill, bro. Okay. Maybe I'll, quote unquote, binge watch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's do some news. Here it is. Woods has two feet to win the Masters. Everyone quiets down. Tagger back behind the ball. Woods puts it in. in. He has done it. Tiger is back. Tiger is back on top. Tiger Woods, the 2019... Masters champion, one of the great comeback stories in American sports history. Masters number five, major number 15, and Augusta National roars like never before. A reminder that Mike Tirico is the GOAT. (laughs) It doesn't matter what the event is. The man is going to show up prepared, and he's going to know how to handle the moment, when to talk, when to shut up. It's harder than it sounds. I was glad to hear Tariko instead of uh, Jim Nance on, on this call right here. Nance did the thing where he didn't talk for two minutes, which is almost like a sneaky um, look at me move. Because <laughs> well, he knows he's going to get articles written like, Jim Nance knew when to say nothing at all. Like, that's that's Colin by Ian O'Connor. That's a very sneaky, <laughs> ultra <laughs> sneaky. <laughs> All right. A lot of golf talk. All right. Here we go. Let's get into the news. Uh, back to football. Uh, you know what, Ricky? Let's dig in right away. 
Russell Wilson, Deadline Watch. Sign me or trade me. I'm not going to play. Yes, I will. Go Hawks. Here it is, April 15th. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Everything in that was accurate. Oh, yeah, Sign absolutely. Me or trade me. I'm not going to play. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Ends everything with Go Hawks. That's what he does. Short but sweet. I like in fact, that was Russell Wilson. We get, we were able to get him. It's a little more little more personality than normal. <laughs> Ricky picked up the phone, and surprisingly, he said he would do a drop for our podcast. So that was cool. Speaking of which, um, Andrew Siciliano on live television today derided me angrily for mispronouncing Sierra. Well, because well, you angrily derided Chris Wesson in the was middle not of angry. our Well, you you took the as you say you're the pop culture guy. Yeah. You jumped in to correct I incorrectly Wes. Well, his, and Andrew was just simply putting you back I think in your place. Dan was free from derision. I think it was it was merely a correction. Right. I mean C I A I mean, to, to correct a friend on national television <laughs> is a bit of an extra move, and mine was the a same little bit, simply happened to you. Mine was a little tongue-in-cheek, little wink at Wes, and then Andrew came with, like, the Terminator A wink and a punch gun. to the stomach. <laughs> it was just like, all right, bro, I get it. I think he said something like, why don't you go hike in the Sierra Mountains? We'll wow. be back after this. I'm like, all right, bro. <laughs> then they cut your mic. <laughs> anyway, so Russell Wilson, where are we at? April 15th is the day. That the Seahawks quarterback told Team Brass he wanted a new contract done or he would cut off talks entirely. Uh, so here's the, we are at that day. No news as of this taping of a, a new deal. Rap Sheet reported that Mark Rogers, Wilson's agent, has been on the ground in Seattle for the last three days to negotiate with team management. Uh, the sides continue to work with the deadline moving, looming, excuse me, not moving. But Wilson also... Um, is with the Seahawks at the beginning of their off-season workout program. Uh, Wes, as he said, he would be. Uh, what is your take on the last uh, 24 to 48 hours of the situation? Well, I mean, not everybody knows this, but we were told this last time he was going for a contract. He doesn't just have any agent. He's got a baseball agent. Go Hawks. So that means he wants guaranteed money. Apparently, any other normal agent would not be trying to get their client fully guaranteed money. But what's going on this time is apparently Russell Wilson wants a fluctuating salary that can go up if the salary cap goes up by quite a bit, if revenue sharing goes up by quite a bit, if the streaming services, if gambling is legal, he wants his contract to reflect that if these changes are made. And especially with the um, CBA expiring in 2022, I believe, by the time his next contract comes up, it could be too late to see to see all those advancements. So it seems like he's trying to get what he wants. Last time he tried this, the Seahawks did not give him a fully guaranteed deal. So we'll see who wins with this posturing. When we first talked about this situation, we kind of laughed at Russell Wilson in the sense that we thought that, yes, it's a deadline, but it's a soft deadline and, you know, maybe they strike a deal at any point. Peter King came very strongly in his column this morning, basically saying, absolutely not. If this doesn't happen today in this window, then there is no negotiation. It's not happening at all. And that there is a sense that Russell Wilson from the Seahawks and elsewhere wants to play somewhere else next next season. It wouldn't be this year. They can still franchise tag him and all that other business. But for me, it... I think the tone has shifted where there is a realistic chain of events to imagine Russell Wilson somewhere else down the road. If it comes to the point where this is a player who doesn't want to stay in Seattle, I'm not saying 
they couldn't keep him there against his will. But that doesn't feel like the most Seahawks thing to do of all time. That just a two weeks ago, I never would have thought on any level he would be anywhere other than Seattle. There is a sliver of hope if you're some quarterback needy team out there that you might be in play for it down the road. Do we really believe it, though? That I'm, just, I'm no. saying there's a sliver of hope. No, no, I don't mean that. Well, I mean that, too. But the idea that if they do not come to terms on a deal on April 15th, the Seahawks no longer have a window open. Uh, what if they come hard with a great offer three months from now? Russell Wilson's going to say, nope, April 15th was the window. Go Hawks. Like, I think this is probably posturing at, at a high level, at a very public level. Uh, and I still think that a deal gets done. But I think he's playing hardball because he's got a baseball agent. Well, <laughs> but it is posturing time of year. This is a time to tr- entrench and tell teams that you're not going to do the deal that they want. You know, I'd rather see it done in April than in October. I would say, though, if you're Russell Wilson, there is advantages to seeing if any other major quarterback contracts land between now and next offseason. And also, like you mentioned, the CBA, to get one year closer to not having whatever deal you construct be outdated by the CBA and what changes come. They don't know. I think any agent that isn't battling for fully guaranteed money and isn't looking at gambling revenue and all this other stuff is way in the past at this point. So it's not just that he's a baseball agent. You're looking ahead of what the what the league's going to look like two or three years from now. He was the highest paid player in football when he signed his last deal. And now he's making about 65% of what Aaron Rodgers is making on an annual basis. Um, one last note. Um, a source very close to the situation told me, uh, the ATN Media Insider, that he was corrected, the source, by Russell Wilson himself uh, for mispronouncing Sierra's name. So it's a, it's a common mistake. It happens. Um, I just happen to make a mistake. Wait, you have a source who just said that the way Chris Wessling pronounced it is correct. Just found out after uh, our live hit. Oh, I wasn't waiting for any sources, but I'm glad you did some, some work on that. But this source himself was corrected by Russell Wilson. Hmm. The, hey, bro. Hey, it's actually Sierra. Go Hawks. Okay. I mean, do we put some of the blame on her? I'm not sure it's not even her birth name or not. I don't know. But like to construct a name that half the people are pronouncing incorrectly. That's sometimes on the the person naming the human or the human themselves. Mm-hmm. Or not. We'll leave it right there. Mark, you said it well. Reuben Foster, uh, the Washington Redskins linebacker, he could return to the football field sooner than a lot of us thought he would. The NFL announced on Friday that Fo- Foster will be fined two game checks but not suspended after his latest domestic violence incident. Um Foster's November arrest in Tampa over allegations of domestic assault resulted in his release from the Niners. The Redskins claimed Foster three days later, but the league placed the linebacker on the commissioner exempt list, which prevented him from playing and practicing until the NFL investigation ran its course. It has now run its course. And Tom Palacero of NFL Network reported on uh, our airwaves that uh, Foster spoke multiple times and met in person with Goodell and the NFL viewed video from the hotel provided by law enforcement where the alleged incident occurred before deciding on uh, no uh, suspension. So the Redskins got killed for picking Foster up. Um, You could still kill them for picking Foster up, regardless of how the NFL investigation uh, played out. But as it's working out for them, they're not even going to be missing him for the start of the season. So they're probably feeling pretty good about this. What a costly move this was for the 49ers to draft him part ways with him and then see him get cleared. Um, and, and I know that, that 
regardless of what the punishment ended up being, they were disappointed in him because they told him to stay out of trouble and stay away from this woman on the road, right. and he didn't do it. Um, but you look at the Redskins now, and you could argue that no team added two players on defense with a greater impact than Reuben Foster and Landon Collins. And, I mean, Bruce Allen, the Redskins GM, which because now we will be mentioning what uh, team these GMs work for. for a lot of good now. feedback. I mean, a lot of feedback saying, media. and I get that, that, you know, I have another job. I don't attach myself to the knowledge of a, every reigning GM in a 32-team league. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Allen basically said in January, we had no concerns. We thought he would be cleared. I, uh, whenever you hear about these things where – the accuser drops the charges and all this stuff or, or recants their story on the stand. I, it always feels like there's something else right. happening there that is not just. But um, for me, the Niners, to, be, to, to put as much investment into you did into Reuben Foster and get to the decision that we're cutting bait with this player, they know so much more than we know about the, the way he makes choices and operates that I just don't think it's going to be the last um, up-and-down moment for the Redskins with this. The Minnesota Vikings, moving on, have paid out a lot of money to another star a year after Kirk Cousins got all the money. Anthony Barr got a huge deal in uh, free agency to stick around. Well, Adam Thielen's not going anywhere. He agreed to a four-year extension worth $64 million, maximum of $73 million. Uh, Rap Sheet reported the deal comes with $35 million in guarantees. The deal is now official as of this week. Uh, Thielen was set to enter the final two years of his contract uh, with, at a very controllable cheap rate at uh, less than $6 million per. Both years now he's really set up well. Uh, this has been... Uh, Mark, one of the best wide receivers in football uh, over the last couple of years. He's coming off two straight 1,000-yard seasons, uh, Pro Bowl guy, um, and especially at the beginning of last season, he was on a record-setting pace. This guy produces year in, year out, and now he's paid like it. I, I look at the at the Vikings, and they're a team that a couple years ago went to an NFC title game with a quarterback that cost next to nothing. You had a young Stefan Diggs, who was at that point not playing for what he's p- playing right now. And you had Adam Thielen, who cost you pennies and was overproducing. And you're able to build a great defense in a team when all that's happening. Now, Diggs, over the next four seasons, makes 12, 14, and two years of $15 million. Adam Thielen is making a bundle. And you have $60 million in dead money tied up in Kirk Cousins if you find out two years from now he's not your guy. So you have a met one of these rosters that I was financially exceedingly top-heavy. All three of these players were on the team last year, and the Vikings largely stunk. So you've got to hope that you can continue to put investments into your offensive line, which was a huge issue, and not let the defense and some of those contracts fall off a cliff, too. What a victory for the player. The Vikings were prescient enough to sign him before. Prescient. Prescient. Uh, Before everyone knew that Adam Thielen was going to be a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber type of receiver, and he's gotten better every year. I think you could say 2017 was his breakout year, but he only had four touchdowns. And the question was, how big of a playmaker is he? Is he just moving the chains or is he actually making huge plays? Then last year, he has that streak of what eight or nine 100-yard games and also found the end zone nine times. He's just gotten better every year. He might be the best route runner in the NFL now. I would say one thing, the fact that Laquan Treadwell never really bloomed into what they thought would be a number one winds up being very expensive because you have to sink money into someone other than Laquan Treadwell. This is a big year for the Vikings. Yes, really it is. Really big year. I mean, uh, Cousins is on, on the books for another two years, but if they have another disappointing season, they're kind of a franchise 
like Mark says, top-heavy and also not close to the top. And they haven't fixed their number messy. one bugaboo, the offensive line. They, it, right. Riley Reef is still set to be their left tackle. And they have a head coach who has fired other coaches and could not get along with other coaches because he wants to be a run-heavy team where your biggest investment is going to two wide receivers and a quarterback. And that head coach is? Mike Zimmer. For what team? The Minnesota Vikings. Everybody's plugged in. Of the middle of our country. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, more teams reporting for their offseason uh, programs starting Monday. One of them is the Kansas City Chiefs. A notable player connected to that team, Tyreek Hill. Uh, the receiver is planning to report to the facilities. The Chiefs open offseason conditioning workouts Monday. Rap Sheet reported um, Hill is being investigated by local authorities for a potential domestic violence incident. Hill has not been charged with a crime, and the NFL is not expected to rule or make any conclusions on Hill's situation until Child Protective Services in Overland Park, Kansas, finishes its investigation into an alleged battery involving a juvenile. Uh, We've mostly stayed away from the story to this point just because, as you're hearing just there, it's still murky. It's still kind of a nebulous uh, story. We don't know uh, what they're going to come back with in terms of what happened between Hill and uh, members of his family. And that will probably, based on what the findings are, dictate potentially if Tyreek Hill is playing football for the Chiefs this year. Uh, but for the time being, they're going about business as usual and Hill is there. But, Wes, it's a major uh, situation to track just from a team standpoint for the Chiefs who, who survived Kareem Hunt. Um, and his exit due to domestic violence issues. Uh, but how how painful would t- uh, Tariq Hill not being involved with the Chiefs offense be to that team? It's a massive story because many people, and Sean Payton and Drew Brees, are among those who told Peter King during the season, the most valuable, uh, the most dangerous uh, skill position player in the NFL is Tyreek Hill. And I believe that to be true as well. This is a guy who the Chiefs wanted to make the highest paid wide receiver in football. And then reports come out this offseason. They're actually trying to trade him. And you have to think that this is part of the reason why, especially given his history um, of abuse, that this is a guy who the leash is going to be very short for if he does end up in trouble for this. It is, I mean, so suddenly if there was a scenario where you move Tyreek Hill or he's not available to you for – overt reasons, you have a wide receiver group of Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and Sammy Coates, and you have no Kareem Hunt. That is a vastly different roster than what the Chiefs fans have experienced of late. I mean, you're getting to the point where, yes, you have the reigning MVP, a quarterback in your building, but as we saw in Green Bay, at a certain point, it will show if you take away the weapons. So, yes, this is a major plot line surrounding Kansas City as they look to get over the humps and will continue to track it. All right. So let's talk a little draft. Yeah, no more domestic violence stuff for the rest of the show. Okay. Let's talk some draft. Um, Daniel Jeremiah moved the sticks on Twitter. You know who he is. He's the biggest name in the NFL now, at least at NFL Network when it comes to draft stuff. I mean, he should start a a sideshow, his own podcast maybe, and leverage that, but he hasn't yet. When he does, we'll let you know. Uh, But here is a tweet from him six hours ago from this taping. April 1st, confidence meter. Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, the quarterback, will be first overall pick, 90%. Two weeks later, April 15th, confidence meter, 60%. Kyler Murray going number one overall um, interesting, um, Mark, because, listen, we've been working under the impression for weeks now around here and any, everyone connected to the football cognoscenti 
that Kyler Murray was it was a, done. He's going to go to the Cardinals. Josh Rosen was going to have to find another job. Uh, but now it might not be that way. I mean, there's so many variables attached to this because it's the people in the building that supported Josh Rosen, selecting him, grooming him last year, hoping to get a big second year and wanting to get enough back if you're going to move on from Josh Rosen. You don't want to get fleeced in that deal and then turn around and just put your hopes into another rookie quarterback. You also have everyone that believes that the coach, Cliff Kingsbury, is all on board with Kyler Murray in terms of a skill set. And you don't want to start your relationship as a second coach or third coach GM in Steve Kime by not giving your head coach what he truly wants. That, to me, feels like the seeds of dissent happening early. I would just, I, I'm sure the Cardinals would love to also have the option to trade number one and get a bounty. They have a, they, you know, if you look at studies by PFF and others, there's no team in the league that has more global needs on their roster than the Cardinals. So extra picks and extra high picks would make sense. I would say this, if we started at 0% that the Cardinals were going to, trade Rosen to get Kyler Murray and suddenly we were DJ said I was at zero percent but now I'm at 60 people would be their people's hair would be on fire people would be freaking out so 60 percent is still a massive number for the idea that you, this team is invested in potentially trading away their quarterback for Kyler Murray I'll concede that I've probably been wrong about this but my thought on this all along is put yourself in the general manager's shoes and from the beginning, if there's even a 3% chance that you think you can get the Raiders to give up some of their treasure chest of draft picks for that number one pick, that had to be your priority this offseason. Positioning yourself by your quotes, by any moves you're going to do to try to dupe the Raiders into overpaying for that number one pick. And Peter King has said Monday morning, there is not unanimity inside the Cardinals building Take, regarding whether they'll take Kyler Murray or not. And and if you think back to last year at this time, the question was whether the Browns are going to take Josh Allen or Sam Darnold at number one. So we're still 10 days away, and it's all up in the air. Yeah, that's for sure. And Mark, to Mark's point about um – uh, you know, an advanced analytics, how they study uh, where the Cardinals at in that Peter King article, uh, the, in the 2018 season, the Cardinals only had two players from their starting 22 rated in the top 15 in the league at their position. So yes, a team with a lot of needs. And if there was one organization in football that had all those picks that you would hope would be in this type of scenario where they would go nuts and pull off a big trade, it's got to be the Raiders, right? Right. <laughs> like, so I totally don't rule it out. But I still think Kyler Murray goes first overall. I guess I'm, here's the thing. Because I still I, think that. I think, Wes, you nailed it that from the start, there's not been one unified vision of what they're going to do at quarterback, especially when you're GM. There's a lot of pride wrapped up in this. Yes. Picked Josh Rosen along with ownerships you know, willingness last year, less than a year ago. But who does it matter? Does it matter more if Kime wants this quarterback or if Cliff Kingsbury? Do you start this relationship with Cliff Kingsbury when you have the chance to get the quarterback he wants and go in another direction? It just feels like a dubious way to, to open chapter one. Let's move on. Chris Hogan got a job. The Panthers announced Friday they signed the wide receiver to a one-year deal. Uh, Hogan spent the past three years with the Patriots, uh, never really developing um, chemistry necessary to foster a long-term home in New England with Tom Brady. Uh, But now he joins a receiver group in Carolina that's pretty crowded. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Torrey Smith, Jairus Wright, Rashad Ross. 
uh, and others. So Chris Hogan's going to have to earn playing time and snaps, uh, but we will see what happens. Uh, Hogan also had this quote, Wes. Tom was great. He demanded a lot and was an ultimate competitor. From what I hear and just from watching Cam, he's the ultimate competitor as well. Really excited about the opportunity to play. There can only be one. I mean, the ultimate warrior. Were there multiple ultimate warriors? No. Well, what does ultimate mean? Yeah. The ultimate player. Shake those ropes. Ultimate competitor. And I get, by the way, that's absurd. Tom Brady can't stand the guy. I want him out of my life forever. An unbelievable competitor. Cam Newton didn't even fall on a fumble in the Super Bowl down a score. And I don't want to hear it. You throw it back. Oh, that's old news. That's tired. You know, that's lame that you bring that up. Tell me, name one true ultimate. You said ultimate competitor that does not get down on the turf for that football. That still sticks in my craw. Yeah, but if you were hired as the CarolinaPanthers.com lead writer, you would not be allowed to say anything you just said. He's part of that... I don't even know if it's I'm a, allowed to say it on this podcast. Well, I mean, I, yeah, people I seem to like get a little sensitive it's gonna about It's going to slip this. through, I think. We'll be okay. I approve of your semantical nitpicking. The ultimate competitor. Cam Newton, are you serious? Watch the tape. Also, Chris Hogan I mean, has a logo. You've gone down this road before. He has a logo? Chris Hogan has a logo. I went on his Twitter page after he signed this weekend. Not exactly Jerry West. The man has a logo. Where? What is the limit? <laughs> what is the limit? To, what do you need? What is the, where's the bar? At what point do you have a logo? Because I think we found the lowest point. And I'm not trying to get on can, uh, uh, this guy too hard. Chris Hogan, he seems like a nice guy. I remember him from Hard Knocks. Uh, you know, he's trying to make it with the Dolphins years ago. 24-7. 24-7. Always, oh, no, 7-11. Oh, 7-11. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah, that's fine. Wrong <laughs> fraction. That's fine. We're even now after the uh, Sierra Sierra thing. <laughs> well, I want to check one thing out, and now you can continue on. But like his logo essentially is the 15 on his jersey turned into a poor-looking G. And this, right. this logo was only released a month ago. I want to see if there's anyone with the number 15. Can you on check on that while I right set now. up the next news item? Because Chris Hogan's not the – again, Not uh, all due respect to Chris Hogan. He's not a guy that walks in a locker room and says, give me my number. You no. Know, I, I'm, it, you know, I'm a 14-time Pro Bowler. Give me my number. It's not happening with Chris Hogan. <laughs> he yeah, I am still looking that up. It's taking me a while. Finally, Sean McVay, uh, the Rams head coach, was on the Rich Eisen show on Friday. And he said that Todd Gurley, his all-pro running back, despite the knee condition, which haunted the Rams and Gurley at the end of last season, and we heard some, you know, worrying, uh, worrisome commentary about what the knee is going forward in terms of its long-term durability uh, and the thought that maybe Gurley isn't the guy to be the center of the offense. Well, guess what? McVay thinks he will be. Um, you can expect Todd to be the focal point of our offense again as we move forward. He's in a good place. He's feeling good, and, and he's going to continue to be a central part of our offense You know, going into the 19th season, and I don't see that changing. Wes, my thought on that, and I'll let Mark continue to do his research. I'll believe when I see it. I was going to say, you know, what you learn going through perhaps maybe a bad breakup or something. Actions, not words. Right. Your words are cheap at this point. The Rams told us this guy was healthy. And then they promptly played C.J. Anderson over him, which you don't do with the offensive player of the year. I mean, to me, prove it. Let's see where we are October 1st. And not even week one or week two. Let's see how the season starts to play out. Now we're going to throw it to Mark Sessler, who's done his research. 
Uh, he's shaking his head. Confidence is wavering, potentially. I mean, no. I mean, unless, you know, a lot of things can happen in these months where they change some of these jersey right. uh, designations. But Rashad Ross, who some feel could just flat out beat out Chris Hogan for this oh, role, tricky. is wearing number 15, according to online information. That's almost the worst case. Well, the worst case scenario is if it's an established star, obviously. He's an established AAF star. Right. Well, <laughs> yes. So, but... He is not only going to a new team, he's got the logo, he's got the bumper stickers and the T-shirts, and he's Chris Hogan's made a financial investment in this Hogan 15 logo. It's not going to be easy to go into the wide receiver's room and go up against the competitor. Let's face it, that's how it works in football. You're competing, you're trying to take that man's job and say, hey, before this competition heats up, I need my all my logo merch, all my logo swag still to be functional and relevant. Can I have your number? In fact, you could go as far as to saying Rashad Ross, if he wants to get an early like <clears throat> shot to the chops on Hogan, says go take a walk. Fifteen's mine. Well, I mine mean, or, or do you take some sort of revenue sh- revenue sharing plan <laughs> off of all the Hogan number fifteen shirts and shorts <laughs> and winter sure. hats that he's going to How much revenue do you think that will be? I'm just saying you you got to think strategically like a businessman. All right, that's what's happening in the news. All right. Did you have anything you wanted to... Ricky, you hit me up on Slack about something earlier. Yeah, I was just going to say that Sierra was born uh, Sierra Princess Harris on October 25th, 1985 in Austin, Texas. So that is her birth name. Sierra Princess Harris? Yes. And then her and Russell Wilson's um, daughter's middle name is Princess as well. Oh. I like that. The woman being named after a older woman in the family. You don't see that often, and that needs to be done more. <laughs> you call a little baby a woman? Well, I'm just saying, like, uh, like my mom's name is Barbara. If I right. were had been a daughter, why not call me Barbara the second or Barbara Junior? Oh, for even if it's a, a male. No, I mean if I were <laughs> if, if I were standard. if I were born female, or just call me a male. <laughs> if you were Barbara if, Sesley, call that'd me be amazing. Barbara as a man. I don't think that would. That's not where I was going with that. I've always wondered about that double standard. Why it's throughout history standard. has there not been women named after the mom? Totally agree. My, Shatter that glass. Ceiling, my older baby. brother is Edward George Wesley III. You don't Eddie. see any. You know, yeah, Eddie. <laughs> Wes, so if you have a, like, a, as I've been plotting out your life for the past three or four years. Somebody has to. Um, engaged last spring, nailed that. Uh, married this spring, nailed that. You will have a child um, by June of 2020. You could put that in the books. Um, there will be no long honeymoon period oh, definitely. for Chris and Lakeisha. No, no. And guess what? It's not Wes's call. But Wes is all right with it, but it ain't Wes's call. And just so you know, Princess and Sierra, both options. You know my feelings on this. We fought wars to get rid of these people who call themselves princesses and queens and kings. <laughs> all right. All right, let's get into it. Tiger Woods, as, as our friend Mike Tirico said, uh, one of – the greatest comebacks in the history of American sports, a man that had back surgeries, personal trials and tribulations, all that. Uh, and uh, Created some personal trials and tribulations oh, for, for sure. others as well. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely. Yes. That's fair. Uh, but to go a de- over a decade without a, a, a title and, and then to come all the way back and win the biggest tournament in golf, big deal. Uh, so that got us thinking, who is in line to be a comeback kid in 2019 in the NFL? Uh, Mark, get us going. 
Well, I mean, some of these, just when you look at these lists, are ragingly obvious. So I will start with, just to get it out of the way, to me, Jimmy Garoppolo, because you're checking the box that, A, you're the quarterback, which typically a quarterback... Um, is if he's going to if someone's going to surge like Andrew Luck did, you're going to win this award. If in, in, the inside linebackers can have a less of a chance to do so, as we will never be watching him play for the most part with naked eyes. Jimmy G, though, a team that also could boost its win total or double it. They've got other guys that were injured coming back. You love the coach, and you'd hope that if they don't get it going this year, there could be changes. I think that to me is the leading guy in the clubhouse, unless you believe that Jason Witten is going to go from television back to some sort of on-field, raging 100-catch campaign, which will never happen in human life. Wait, did you just jump to another one? I just threw out one I don't believe in. Okay. Jason Witten. That will never happen. All right, let's start. I'm not convinced he'll finish the season. Okay, I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. In fact, I still think that was a bit of a golden parachute that the Cowboys gave Jay to get out of the get out of the broadcasting job without taking mortar fire. Uh, but let's Jimmy G. Um, counterpoint: What is he coming back from? He still hasn't really had a, a full NFL season. He's still kind of a guy trying to establish himself in a way. Yeah. Well, all, my counterpoint to that is that there is no more nebulous award out there That's that true. whatever Philip Rivers had a one comeback player of the year if I'm not mistaken for simply playing marginally better than <laughs> right. he did the year Forget before. Forget about the award because we, we we all agree that's but a I weird d- award. Just but I do term, think yeah, I do think comebacks. because number one he was already anointed the starter. Right. He was given a massive contract. There's no question about his sort of origin story as being the anchor of the 49ers that you have a major knee injury which a lot of times you have to wait maybe Till next, till two seasons from now, to find out where we are with Jimmy G. But if he comes back and performs really well, does sort of some Deshaun Watson type part two or Andrew Luck, to me, it's a home run. Well, I think with Tiger Woods, it's not just the self destructiveness that put him in that hole. It was career threatening and injuries that were so bad that a lot of people who follow golf thought he would never be even relevant again. I think if you look back two years ago, he was ranked 1,199th in the world in golf. Somebody who had a career-threatening injury, Travis Frederick, the Cowboys center, coming back from Guillain-Barre syndrome. And the early word right now is the Cowboys expect him to be back and to be starting at center, an all-pro type of player. This is a guy, if you're looking for a story, like a Tyre Woods type of story to get people, this rally around Travis Frederick. You know what I love about that, too, is he is going to have it helps. A lot of this is it's not can't players not campaigning for it, but your team needs to be part of that story. You've got the biggest mouth in the South and Jimmy John, Jimmy, Jerry Jones, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy, please, Jimmy Hart, Jerry Jones, probably (laughs) on his radio show trumpeting this every week with a megaphone. Yeah. If Frederick (laughs) on the Titans, right? (laughs) If you're on the Titans, we'd never know about this story. I give you a million dollars. All both of you. If, um, Erica knows who Jimmy, the mouth of the South heart is. Yeah, I I have no idea. Hmm. Who is it? Brett the Hitman and Jim the Anvil? Yeah, one of the great uh, wrestling valet slash managers of his era in the 80s. A wrestling manager? (laughs) Oh, yeah, one of the great ones. He's up there with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Slick. Wow. New, he was very much Reverend a nuisance. Slick. He's like five foot eight, about 130 pounds. Luscious Johnny Valiant. <laughs> you guys need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I was single for many of my teen years. In fact, all of them. Um, all right. Um, I'll throw it out there. 
I'm a little nervous about this one because I, I've been pounding the table that I think a Carson Wentz is going to come back huge and strong for the Eagles in 2019, and I'm not, I'm not wavering on that. But I will uh, mention that uh, Wentz spoke today uh, and acknowledged that he's not healthy yet, that the back injury that wiped out the end of his season is not healed. He had this to say, it's still getting there. Um, so is that going to affect him going forward? He hopes to be ready for OTAs. Um, so he's not cleared yet. So that's something to keep an eye on in the back, like with Tiger Woods, is one of the worst injuries a, a pro athlete could have. So you hope that it's not something that's going to haunt him. But I think everything else is set up really well for Wentz. If he can get himself to uh, full health, he's a guy that has a lot to prove after essentially what was a lost year. And not only a lost year in 2018, uh, in in 2017, it was his year. It was his it was his moment in the sun. He was the MVP favorite, the leader in the clubhouse entering December when he hurt his knee, and then he watched another man um, win a Super Bowl with his team. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I just watched the 1989 Batman with my sons for the first time. Great movie. Jack Nicholson has a great line to Bruce Wayne when he shoots him. He says something like, "Don't mess with another man's rhubarb." Something like that. That's that, what that's that, what Carson Wentz that's is what's thinking happening here. Yeah, with Nick Foles after he won the Super Bowl. Um, but let's watch. Let's watch where Wentz is physically. But if he can be get back, there's there's skill uh, talent around him. Good coaching staff, a division that's there for the taking. I think Wentz could have a big comeback year if his body allows it. Have you, Dan Hansis, mm-hmm. ever had rhubarb? No, and I don't even really know what it is. <laughs> It's got to be a fruit or a vegetable, I think it's right? A ve- it's a vegetable from the ground, if I'm not mistaken. It's a cultivated plant. It's a, a lot of long words. I'm not going to get into it. But um, uh, yeah, I, I have never had rhubarb. Nor have I. But no. people used to make pies out of it. Uh, let's, yes, they, I think it's resources. over. I think it's over now. Rhubarb pie ha- had its moment. Yeah, they gone. Uh, well, Mark, take us around the horn one more time unless you want to get some Jason Witten shots. How do I there? recover <laughs> from that rhubarb chuck? Um, I think Earl Thomas is someone out there that obviously you check the injury box, you're in a new place. I feel like safety with the Ravens is going to get a lot of pub. You're going to be highlighted on every uh, primetime event that the Ravens are part of. And if you have a couple, let's say you have like a nice pick six and maybe a late season interception that vaults Baltimore into the final wild card spot, you've done it. You might be, you might be the guy they pick if no quarterback shines. So we're talking, Just an option. <laughs> like we're talking comeback player of the year award. I don't know. No, I we're mean, throwing they, out the award. We're just talking guys that we think are going to have nice comeback years. Forget about the award. The award's, well, I think, or then in that case, that's a, that's a much easier sell. Earl Thomas is totally set up to play way more games on for a team that's you know the center of attention, and he's the center of the defense. Good pick. I like that one. Can't I can't say it's not a good pick. I don't feel like I feel like that landed like with a major <laughs> thud inside the studio, but I don't know. I don't quite know why. <laughs> It's certainly a good pick. This is a future Hall of Famer potentially coming back from a season-ending injury on a new team looking to make a big wave. I have a juicier one for the next go-round. Well, we do we're only have... doing two rounds. Do you want to – Throw wanna... one out. Hey, how about how this? How about this? All right, Wait, let me just – let's first do this. How we're about a lightning to... round? Let's not take it out of the show, but everyone forget about Ignore the Earl Thomas one. It never happened. Here, Mark, one more time around the horn. 
How about this? If the trade happens and you're coming off a really, really shaky My season. My going to be Mark Sessler. He's got to come back from the Earl Thomas. I do. How about Josh Rosen? Let's say he landed somewhere else and now had a this really like. okay, now nice year, too. Because I, forget Give us the, something to chew on. Well, yes. forget the award side of it, but it has a great narrative, too. Or what rookie has been hassled and tossed around the way that Josh Rosen has? If he winds up somewhere else, and especially if the Cardinals still sort of stink, you kind of stick it in their side, mm-hmm. and Josh Rosen goes somewhere else and plays – up to par with the way that we have seen him on certain throws and certain mm-hmm. games, and you get a much better version behind an actually functioning offensive line, that's a comeback player of the year right there. Yeah. Mm. I like that one. I also I don't necessarily believe in it. I know well, he, I don't need you to we can't got, we can't get everything done. He here. got I mean, listen, I, I gave my speech to Josh a few weeks ago. It's not his fault the what how this all turned out. But I'm also not quite ready to say, yeah, just put him in a good spot and he's gonna be a-okay. It would be a great comeback story if he got yeah, I mean, a starter this, somewhere. And was I'm functional. presuming that he does do that. I'm not saying that that will happen in this exercise. I love it. Uh, by the way, it's never rub another man's rhubarb, the Joker says after he shoots Bruce Wayne in the chest. It just feels like common sense. Isn't a rhubarb sort of like a fight? Isn't that another word for like a Donnybrook? I don't know. It'll be the third thing we're looking at. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, Wes. All right, I'm about to try to pull off a three-part answer, if you will let me. Okay, go ahead. Well, first I thought, okay, well, Tiger, you want to look at the personal demons angle? There has to be more to the story than just a comeback. Like, what put you? Right. Josh Gordon would be a good one with the personal demons. Tough. But then I thought, okay, what about Trent Richardson? <laughs> okay. AAF star. Okay. Well, there's a lot on the line in the studio with him. Yeah, a lot. But then the third part is both of these guys, failures for the Cleveland Browns. And who would be the ultimate comeback kids in a Tiger Woods sense? Right. The Cleveland Browns winning the Super Bowl. That, that would, would be, be that the would be the great kids. completion of the comeback of all time. If they can go all the way. Imagine that, Mark. From a sports world angle, it would be one of right. the biggest events. It, it would, would happen really this in, season. It would be one of the biggest turnarounds of all time. You've often said, Mark, that an NFL story gets truly big when our moms are interested, when people who don't even follow the sports start to ask questions and want you know hone in on this this topic. And the Cleveland Browns would get people interested. I like that. I like that too. How about that, Mark? I like that too. Imagine a scenario. I also like that where the Browns are in Miami for the Super Bowl. Not two years from now, not five years from now, this upcoming February. Well, I do want to make it clear that I, I've mentioned many times, if that were to happen, I am not, not doing me, you're not any work within 48 hours of the game before or after. Right. Do you well, think just because you say that, it matters? No, I think it. I will, <laughs> I will take total control we of have that the, scenario. We had this conversation a few weeks ago, and... And I don't know if you landed in the same boat as me, but where I came down, if the Jets ever were in the Super Bowl, I would do a phoner post game if they won. Happily do that. But that's the extent of my work. For I'm Super not going to like, weekend. let's sit there and go through, oh, now in the third quarter, so-and-so had a four-yard rush that resulted in third and three. No. That is not on the books. Yeah, but you guys have to plan for it so we all get to go and be in there and get our tickets and stuff and then just don't show up. You know what I mean? If you're saying outwardly that you're not going to do it, then all of a sudden we're not at the game. Right. So you got we got to play the cards the right way if She's the Jets right. or the Browns are in the Super Bowl. That's correct. Mm. Devious woman. Mm. Perhaps scallion. you got to play the game, you know? <laughs> Rhubarb is a fight or a name for a fight, by the way. There you go. This is right. It's like don't rub another man's fight. I don't think it meant that. 
from the Joker. Okay. Um, now, an obvious one is Aaron Rodgers, but I, I will not I'm – not, I'm just going to say I really do believe in Aaron Rodgers, and I think he is not the ultimate competitor because there can only be one, but he is a, a, <laughs> an amazing competitor himself, I think, and I think we're going to see an angry Aaron Rodgers looking to vindicate himself from all these – Arrows oh, this that is going to be like the way. year that Tom Brady tried harder because of Deflategate. Yes, okay. it'll be that well, year. Hold on. Yes, I get that they can do whatever they want with these storylines, and he wasn't the best of all time. But he threw twenty-five touchdowns and two interceptions over sixteen starts last year. What is he coming back from? No, you're and, thinking about this all wrong. This is not the award. This is. I get it, but what's no the, award, bro? Get rid of the award. It's not. This is not what, in this he's building. coming back from so what, the Bleacher Report article. He's coming back from getting his coach fired. He's Six coming back 10. from everybody thinking that he's not the best quarterback anymore. I mean, that it, he held on to the well, ball too long in the pocket. This is why I'm annoyed by Aaron receivers. <laughs> he's that is what Wes is saying is everything he's coming back from. No longer we're not right now. We're not talking about Aaron. Ooh, is he the goat? Now it's. Aaron Rodgers is the problem. What happened with the Packers? His, I think his goal is going to change the narrative around the Packers, and maybe he did learn from this. He called it a good week last week, and and maybe that will point the whole organization in a more positive direction. I do not put it against – I don't put it past him. I think he's that great. Um, so Aaron Rodgers is someone I believe in. And um, this one's TBA, and I'll go out on this one because uh, it depends on what happens at the draft. The Arizona Cardinals, as we talked about, hurting so many positions um, that it makes it hard to be a skilled player in that lineup. But David Johnson was a raging talent uh, who broke out on the scene and became immediately a top five, top ten NFL player. And now it's kind of disappeared the last two years. If they could ever, they got the, co- the coach out of there, Wilkes, who was a bad fit there for the offense and the defense. So they got an offensive-minded coach in there. If they could, If they ever did pull the trigger either on a trade that allowed them to beef up their offensive line, um, for instance, or if they took Kyler Murray and Murray was a badass like people think he can be, that would obviously make things a lot easier for the running back. I think David Johnson has a chance to get back to David Johnson this year, and he's a guy to keep an eye on, but some things have to work and fall into place. Well, I would say what's already positive there is that their offensive line is much improved just from trading for Marcus Gilbert, signing J.R. Sweezy, getting D.J. Humphreys and A.J. Shipley and Justin Pugh back healthy, they were running That's out true. guys in the last month and a half of the season who will not even play in this league next year. They, they, their starters were guys who should have been in the AAF. That's not a good thing. No. So he, I think you'll see him get better, and it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint just how much he suffered from bad coaching last year, too. Right. I mean, I mean, this guy, if you look at the tape of his pre-wrist injury seasons. They were talking about him as a Hall of Famer, the coaches there. An all-timer type player, and his numbers were backing it up. And then the injury, and then he went into the abyss last year under Wilkes. So we'll see how he comes out. Does anybody else have anyone we want to throw out before we end this assignment? This, I, I would hope, I would just say, let me hope that this this guy, maybe 2020 or 21, Ryan Shazier. Yes. That would be a great comeback story. Well, he's I'll, I'll jumping up on boxes now and doing things that you never would have thought he would have done. And coming back from a devastating uh, back injury, that would be one of the ultimate comeback stories. Can I sell you on a player that produced zero statistics last year? Is this for the trophy or just like a comeback type thing? Just like, he's obviously okay. coming back. He's coming back to do something quite notable. Let's hear it. His name is Le'Veon Bell. 
There you go. Maybe you don't like why he was gone, but a lot of his fellow peers, his fellow running backs, love what he did, and he's going to go from zero to sixty. That's let's. Can we bring the trophy back into the conversation now for a second? Is that okay? Sure. Yes. Could you give him no. the Comeback Player of the Year award when he opted not to play? No. I don't know. I think you have a hard time garnering. <laughs> that galvan- would be weird. Gal- it's, people it, aren't going to galvanize behind that one. It is the um, other end of the spectrum from Ryan Jazeer. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Good seg. Good talk. Uh, Ricky, you have anything else to add? I just like don't understand the Tiger Woods narrative, like the greatest comeback in sports history. It's like, what, because he stopped and, he, oh, he got a DUI two years ago and he cheated with his wife with 30 women. And it's like, oh, my God, he overcame it all and hit this little ball in a hole. Like, good for him. I totally I'm agree I'm so with over this BS all over Twitter. Like, the greatest comeback in sports history. It's like, oh, my God, first of all. Well, let's unpack this one. I think a lot of people agree with you. I would say I've been turned off by golf fans because this has been going on for a few years where they just welcome him back with open arms and everybody's cheering for him. I have very conflicted feelings about him. But on the other hand, it wasn't all self-imposed. The back injuries were definitely not self-imposed. Like people didn't think he'd ever athletically be able to do any of this again. And I try to separate that. But also, whether your injuries are self-imposed or not, anyone to get off the canvas when you've been knocked down in life because the other answer is just let yourself stay down. Get it, stay addicted to drugs. You know, and he was addicted to pills. Stay, stay down. But he didn't stay down. He got back up. And whether it was self-imposed or not, to me, that's worth... That's but the worth. problem I would have with, like, uh, the waste of time looking at, uh, on Twitter on a Sunday during this kind of an event and the gushing is that no one just consistently said what you just said about it. Like, I don't, I totally I, agree with Erica. I couldn't that be on Twitter yesterday. It, it was no, too but much. a total personal fall from grace based off your own decisions. Like, to be touted as this, like, hero coming back from war that, like, has, is nothing but a shiny uh, dance card, I don't buy into it. I think, well, there's also, if you look at it in that vacuum, yes, it's not like this um, heroic comeback journey. But if you... But treated that way. But if you're a sports fan that goes back and you're old enough, you understand that Tiger Woods was Babe Ruth. He was Muhammad Ali. He was Michael Jordan in his sport. There was no one like him. He was dominant at a level that blew people's mind. This man won a a major by 15 strokes once. Like this is, he was something that you'll see once every 100 years. So there's a level in any sport and golf apparently is no different. There's a level of nostalgia. So when he makes his way back, that gooses people. It gets people excited and it gives golf as a sport a major shot in the arm. I totally understand why people say were saying what they were saying yesterday because he was that special as a player at his apex. So and he goes into the wilderness for a decade and then reemerges. As sports fans, we love that stuff. From a sheer sports angle, yes. I mean, I watched Tiger Woods, his first ever pro event, and I don't feel moved the way that you just described, but I'm not a golf guy. But secondly, like the back injuries, yes. Some of the other stuff, like... I also wouldn't give him a presidential medal of freedom. Well, that's that's actually happening now. So That's what I mean. There are limits to it. There's a part of this story that's as old as, as the prodigal son, wasting talent. And he could have wasted his talent. And some people could argue that for years he did. But he returned, and not only to set himself right, but to bring joy to other people by using his talent. And to me, that is worth applauding. It certainly he seems a little joy. humbled from yes. all this, everything that's happened. So, that was human. No, it's no. a human story, too. Human interest, Ricky. 
Does it change anything about how you feel after that conversation? No. I mean, I think it's great that he came back, like, athletically and the back injuries and all that, but it's right. it's a human interest piece. Look, he took all those 30 women and turned it into 10 years later winning them. Like, oh, get off my... I totally get where you're coming I from. I absolutely more. understand that. Get off yeah. your what? H- high horse. I understand. To me, he is not the most sympathetic athlete no. at all. He never has been, even before all of that. I, did, I never found him to be a sympathetic person. Yeah. Um... Incredible conversation, guys. Killed it. We'll be back on Wednesday with our Twitter show, 10.30 Pacific, 1.30 Eastern, uh, maybe 5.30 in England. Still no one, no one's telling me I'm wrong or right, so I'll continue to say that. And um, and then on Thursday, we'll be back with another show. Uh, I believe Connie Fox will be involved. I believe we might be calling some general managers in the National Football League. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. All right, let's go. Stan Hansen signing off for The Quiet Storm. The Mailman. And Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.